Welcome to a breaking news emergency edition of the Pat Mayo Experience. Bryson versus Brooks versus Tom Brady and Phil and Aaron Rodgers as well. It's all going to be covered. And we had to bring in the staple of people to talk about this. But first, I need to let you know to smash the like button for the episode. Subscribe to Mayo Media Network. And in the comment section, set a line for the new match. I haven't seen any odds on it as of yet. So you tell me who you think the favorite is going to be. And what are their odds going to be? I am going to ask this to Jeff Feinberg. Right now, what do you think the line is going to be? Phil, Phil and Tom minus 130 opening line. Give me, give me the other side. Rogers has played in that Lake Tahoe stuff. I've seen him on TV. He's he's no slouch. It's going to be like a resort course. Bryson's going to tear it apart. Yeah, see so that that's my initial lean on it too is that whatever side Bryson is on, take Bryson. Like I know Phil just won the PGA Championship, but in this sort of situation, and we saw Tom Brady play. He's not that like he's he's good, but he's not I can't imagine he's substantially better than Aaron Rodgers is. I mean, Rodgers plays in that Pebble Beach Pro-Am all the time too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Brady was pretty less than mediocre, but he got the shine from that amazing hole out, like mid trash talking with with probably Charles. So like he has that uh, like ultimate highlight that sort of overtakes any memory. Like that's my memory of Brady from that day, not playing poorly. It's the hole out. And I think people will hold that in the betting market versus versus Rogers. Uh, I briefly touch on this on tomorrow's show, or the second part of this podcast, if you're listening to it on a Thursday morning, uh, with Preston Johnson, uh, who I talk NFL Futures, and Quan Young as well with uh, NBA Futures too. So that's the second part of the, this audio podcast. They'll be their own separate video. So if you're watching this video right now, remember to tune back in tomorrow to Mayo, Me- Mayo Media Network. That's why you should subscribe and watch that show. Good betting information. Not a ton of good betting information on this show because of I mean, Jeff and I are, like, bad, but it gets worse. Because you know who's on the line? Tim Andergust! Tim Andergust. That's not my name. Oh, yeah, the guy who gave out no holes in one at the PGA who was dead right <laughs> about that. What terrible advice I'm out here giving. Yeah. Okay. You said the guy film would never Adam win. Long. Guy who liked Adam Long before Pebble Beach. All kinds of stuff. Well, it's, yeah, good, no, it's, good that you, it's good that you liked Adam Long before Pebble Beach, considering he had won three weeks previous. So that didn't really do you any good, did it? Whichever tournament it was. That it Adam wasn't. Won. You liked them after the tournament was over. You were rooting for Phil, as I recall. I'm always rooting for Phil. Hold on, Tim. You, like everything, you've been sitting on wanting hole-in-one credit for, for over 72 hours. Well, because I didn't get it. <laughs> it like a minus 110 prop. I was mocked and harangued on this show for the very idea that there'd be no hole-in-one at an ocean course. Because yeah, they're, they're pros, man. Like, just because you can't hit a hole-in-one doesn't mean they're not going to, and they didn't. So, anyway. But, but, Tim, you make the same bet every single time, and you lose 80% of the time. That's not true. It is I, true. We'll go Masters, back and look at the results at the Ma- November Masters. I bet there would be holes-in-one, and there were. Finally, you finally got one right. But I, I think it was the I think it was the players uh, where you said not only would there be no holes in one, there would be, or maybe it was the Masters this year, there wouldn't be two hole in one. And then people bet the there will be two hole in one. They got paid like three to one on their money. Yeah, well, you don't need to be a hundred percent as a tout, right? Fifty five percent is a good rate. But you're not at fifty five percent. You're at like five percent. I'm also not a tout. That's that's probably true. So I'm here to be a man of the people. 
So here's my take, Jeff, and I want to run this one by you. There is a Twitter war or an Instagram war, whatever you're talking about here, between Brooks, Bryson, Tom Brady, Phil's getting in on the action. Aaron Rodgers is on vacation with his with his fiance and like Miles Teller, so he's kind of staying out of the entire thing. So we'll <laughs> we'll see when he ends up coming into the situation. But here's the whole thing. There is a $40 million pool worth of money, Jeff, for the people who generate the most, by whatever algorithm and metrics the PGA Tour is using, to be the most influential people in golf. They will, 10 players will share in this pool of money. Bryson was already going to be in there. Brooks, I don't know if he was or not, but he's probably going to be in there now. I think this entire thing is coordinated so they can get this money. Okay, that's probably fair. I'd like to say one thing. Brooks would have gotten there. The stuff he's going to end up doing with Portnoy over the next couple months would have gotten him in the top 10. So I don't know that he would have had to force this. All I can say is I am 100% certain Brooks despises Bryson. Now, Brooks might be smart enough to be like, I hate this guy. I may as well profit off of it. Like we may as well, I may as well turn this into money if like I hate this guy and they both freaking love attention. Also, you mentioned five people. Four of them are playing in a match here. One of them isn't, and it's Brooks Kepka. And in my personal opinion, I'm wrong a lot. But and I think I'm I think it's fair how Brooks probably feels. He probably feels a little disrespected and jealous. Bryson gets all this attention this non-stop attention brooks always has to prove himself from the betting markets to 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 like for whatever reason it always feels like the media even the non-betting golf media from the betting golf media media ha 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 uh, always seems to make brooks prove himself and he always proves himself and his trophy case is boss so he's probably sitting there at home like f this guy why am I not in this rub? I don't know. I don't know why Brooks isn't. I guess it was it probably a lot of it had to do, honestly. Like the real reason that Brooks isn't playing in this is one, Bryson's a bigger draw. Bryson's a more notable figure. He's more not necessarily it's, popular in terms of people liking him. But he's just a more known figure uh, when it yeah. comes to just the general public. And that's all this tournament is, this match. Yeah, it's all relationships. Like your agent could, Bryson might, Bryson's agent might have a better relationship with the people at Capital One. Like it could be literally as simple as that, who I believe is like, the host of the event and, and paying for it all. Therefore, probably the people making the wish list of who they want competing. Or they, um, or who's putting this on? Is it an NBC like Bleach, Bleacher Report type thing? Yeah, I think it's another one of those Turner Sport things. Yeah, so they were probably like, hey, let's put, can we get Tiger? Okay, no, he's not available. Can we get Spieth? Oh, he didn't want to do it. All right, yeah, it's either Ricky Fowler or Bryson. Those are our two next <laughs> options. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're, you're not wrong. But but I stand by Brooks. I am certain. I am certain there is a true dislike um, for Bryson. And he's going to decide to to make it off of little money to build it, to build up some fire just to stir the pot. Brooks Brooks is a pro golfer. He probably want, loves the fact that ESPN is going to be talking about him and his sport tonight. Like that is that is great. I don't know between Phil winning and this, like 
holy but it's like what is going on man this is amazing well there's there's also too that brooks was injured when they were planning this entire thing that maybe they didn't know what his availability would be tim do you think this entire thing is set up because i'm starting to think that oh. that video that got released probably doesn't get released if brooks doesn't be like yeah you can release that don't worry about it that'll be good for me no i i think brooks is just actually too cool for all this stuff I actually don't think he cares. He genuinely is not one of these phony people that needs to, you know, set things up in a particular way so that the dominoes fall. I genuinely think he's just a shrug it off sort of guy who does not care. He doesn't need to be as popular. He doesn't want to be as popular as Bryson. What he's going to do with Portnoy will be far more popular than anything that goes on with, with, with that game. And it has the reach Probably. that he wants and the fans that he's interested in cultivating. Uh, Brooks has a very different affect, a very different way to approach the game and the sport. And I actually think he takes its measure. I, what he doesn't like about Bryson, I think, is that Bryson is an obsessive to a point where it's actually kind of embarrassing. Whereas Brooks is sort of like too cool. He's like, yeah, I'm good and I practice, but life yeah. is made of things other than this. And so like, there's a clash of cultures going on here. Uh, and no, I, I don't think it's a setup. I think that's a bit too conspiratorial. Most of the time in this world, things are not set up. Things just happen organically. That's just the way of the world. Uh, and I think that's that. It's very likely what happened here as well. Bryson is. I mean, sorry, Brooks. I agree. Like as much as I am pro Bryson, in like if it actually became a thing. But really, I'm just pro whichever guy I'll better roster if I roster either of them in a week. Like that's the guy I'm for. That, you know, that's what it will come down to in the end. But, but Bryce, I mean, we'd all rather be Brooks, a guy that seems like has an, a, like the way better work life balance. Like he goes on vacation, he eats peaches. Like he just having a good time. Bryson doesn't seem like his time. Like everything is like solely focused on winning trophies. Brooks care seems to like, you could debate how much he cares, but it's clear he puts exponentially less effort into it than Bryson. Because it comes naturally to him. He's more talented than Bryson is. Bryson has to work harder to get to his level. Brooks is the kid who doesn't have to study, can walk into the final exam and, and get a 93. You're Bryson right. can get yeah. a 93, but he's got to cr cram, cram. Yeah. every single night. Miss and all Brooks the good times. Yeah, he Brooks knows go too. Yeah. And but he wants you to know that he knows that he doesn't need this stuff. And it's actually kind of silly. And so, yeah, I mean, as time goes on, I find myself squarely on, on Brooks. I think Brooks has a better perspective by and large on these sorts of things. I think Bryson is sort of like. Bryson, Bryson has no perspective. As far no, as much as I love Bryson, I think he is. And this is really like, people are going to hate me for doing this. Pat, which is why Aaron Rodgers, right. Is the perfect foil. Rogers has the same affect Brooks does. They are I am, Rogers and Bryson are very, very different people, which is why Brooks is sort of taking the shot because Brooks knows that Rogers and he are sort of like are sort of like spiritual cousins. They're both like have other interests beyond just the sport they play and don't like they're 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 Mr. Cool. But and, but, uh, but but wouldn't the ultimate pairing in this be Brady and Bryson? Because they're essentially the same guy, except Tom Brady has hired a much better social media team. Well, oh yeah. my God, where did he hide? Like, what's his meme guy get paid? Like, I, I don't. It has to be a ton because he's like his Instagram and Twitter are both fire. 
<laughs> I'm just trying to figure out where the kid came from. Like Brady went to Tampa. He took his favorite Patriot social media guy. He's always seeming like it seems like even deep into his Patriot run, he had his own social media guy team. So I don't know. That kid is fire. Great for <laughs> great for Tom. I mean, he, maybe he hired. Uh, oh, this wouldn't mean anything. Never mind. Like Norm Kelly inside joke for for Tim. Does Tim even get that? I know who Norm Kelly is. No, you had this like, it was like this really obnoxious thing in the city I lived in. Never mind. That was really dumb and stupid. I think Bryson, I do believe Bryson lacks total self-awareness though. Oh, totally. Like he puts out these corny videos. I don't think he realizes how corny they are. Like, I, I think he's also very genuine in his weirdness. Yeah, I, I don't think he's, he's, you know who he reminds me of, Jeff? Nope. The other guy on the line. I guess he lives his own truth. It's all like, it's hard to, yeah, I could, sure. I guess. I don't know. No, but Bryson is an obsessive try hard that has to try hard. Uh, This all comes naturally to me. (laughs) Like, I'm far more like Brooks. Oh my God. And, you know, you can't even grow the same bad goatee that Brooks currently has. And that would take you like seven months and it would still be horrible. The funny thing I about just, just the funny thing about this prayer, like thinking about Brooks and thinking about Bryson, I, I do think that there is somewhat of a calculation to it because there is this prize pool worth of money. I think they both want their hands in that. And I think the people higher on that list in terms of who gets the most social media attention, everything that goes along with it gets more money out of it. I don't think it's just split. 10 ways with the $40 million. I think if you're higher on that list, you get a bigger cut of it, but it also is all we've ever asked for is golf to embrace some more like WWE mentality. And this is the first time I can ever see it happen. But you say like Brooks or Bryson is an obsessive and that makes him very off putting. And that Brooks is this too cool for school guy. He has all this natural talent. Aren't we just basically describing tiger and Phil? No, both Uh. those guys were obsessives. Tiger was yeah. a legit obsessive. Yeah, but Phil was too, and Phil is now worse than he ever was. Yeah, Phil. Phil, had- Phil is now like if Phil had done now what he is doing now twenty years ago, he'd probably have like twelve majors. Yeah, yeah but Phil's Phil was like walking around with days, multiple right? drivers at a major like twenty years ago, and walking around with seven wedges in his bag. Like he was doing weird stuff and obsessive stuff too. Like not to Bryson level, but like he wasn't sort of just like the debonair. Uh, guy that Brooks is and also when you talk about the the social media stuff there's a reason that Jeff has stopped talking about Justin Rose he doesn't want to do anything to contribute to Rose's uptake honestly Rose's no listen Rose had a nice week last week I don't even when I don't even see the Rose stuff it gets dropped to me by carrier pigeons I swear to god I don't follow him anywhere but when he does something you think like I'm worried like if there's a summer afternoon, I'm going to think, and he does something corny on the internet. I'll see my mentions and think like Herbert got hurt. Like that's what happens. That's how many um, I get. I, I don't know. I'm just in love with everything that's happening. And as much as Brooks might have the wherewithal to play it up, I do believe there's a genuine dislike there. And it's like any office. I mean, Pat, I've worked with you in an office. Like I can make that meme of like who I guessed you would make that face when you were doing something and that person came by. We all have that. You know, I golf at a club. Like 
I could relate to Brooks in the sense that like there's this one guy who like I can't stand. Like just the sight of him drives me nuts. I don't think about him when I'm not there. Like I, so like the notion that he's living in my head is probably unfair. But when I freaking see him, like oh, you, like you know. So I don't know. Maybe I you know we've all had fun with it, but um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's great. I'm so fired up. Like I'm gonna do a show tonight. Not even to date this, but I don't even like want to talk about this week's event, Pat. There's so many like overriding stories in golf right now. It's great. Well, I think Bryson is living rent free in Brooks's head at the moment. And Brooks made a tweet about it. And Brooks made an Instagram story about it. He's really trying to lean in. And this kind of goes back that it's very clear Tom Brady has a social media team and Bryson does not. He's just on his phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not great. He's not a professional social media person. No. And and I bet you like uh, Brady. Yeah, exactly. Brady's got hordes of them. If Brady needed extra opinions, like I'm sure Portnoy would, would rent Brady his like um, 22 year old editorial room. Tim, Tim, do you think that you could be Bryson's social media person? I think I would basically be writing the same tweets that <laughs> other than I, when I saw his tweet today, I would have tweeted out the gif from uh, uh, mean girls. Why are you obsessed with me rather than what he wrote? But I don't think, and I'm dumb enough to think that Bryson, I think Bryson's obsessed with Bryson and Brooks is like, just can't stand the guy, but I don't think Bryson can't stand Brooks to the level Brooks can't stand Bryson. Bryson strikes me as a person who doesn't hate anyone. Like he is that sure he isn't self-involved to the point where everyone else is just kind of neutral to him. Yeah. He's so self-absorbed in like his task oriented life that he doesn't pay any attention. I said this before, but I'll go as far like to say it again. And I, you know, someone should say the moment you say like, I know nothing, you should probably stop talking. So I should now probably stop talking, but I believe Bryson is on that, like G like on the spectrum, but also a bit of genius. Like I think there's like a touch of the Asperger's in, in Bryson, but it's also the part. He also got the part that makes you like part genius and amazing. But I think his social, like, norms and awareness are non-existent or he is operating on a level just beyond what he's playing 4d chess right now and and he and he he knows that this is the when he was like if you're someone like bryson and you put all this work into your body to change the game and talk about it and talk about how you're a quote-unquote scientist and all this stuff and he put in the hard work to do all of it like he's not stupid we know that and maybe he sees this as his the best niches, whether it be a wrestling gimmick or any sort of gimmick, and this feels like a gimmick to a certain extent, are some extension of your real life that's just really overblown that maybe he doesn't care how he comes off, but he knows that trying to be like non-self-aware Bryson is just a really good marketing strategy for him because it works because people love Bryson and there are so many people that hate his guts and want to root against him. He is one of the few golfers that isn't Tiger, that isn't Phil, 
on that level where he just draws attention like you, emotion tim he you can almost an emotion tim yeah. you, you you watch like pti and all those shows that like don't cover golf ever it, it's almost like in hockey like you just don't see it in hockey ever that unless someone gets like a donald brashear stick to the back of the head then they're not talking about hockey bryson's one of the few golfers that can penetrate like the first lock on pti just by being bryson to a degree, I actually don't think he has that much sway yet. I think that's still Phil and Tiger and only Phil and Tiger that can break Spieth. into that top. I Unless Spieth has won a tournament, I don't think Spieth can break into that either. Uh, Fair. Like golf is still, as popular as it's getting, it's still quite niche. And there's a couple of names that, that move the needle in terms of like the, the A block of PTI. Bryson's not there yet. Uh, Brooks is not there yet, but Brooks doesn't, need to, doesn't want or need to be there. Yeah, but, but Brooks is never going to be there unless Brooks wins the PGA Championship or the Masters. And maybe the Portnoy stuff yeah. will get him there. He's trying, but there's weird stuff Brooks can do. And I agree with you with Spieth. Unless he wins, they're not going to talk about Jordan Spieth because there is no real personality. Like Fowler was the closest thing that we have. He's just not that good anymore. Bryson's legit. He's one of the world's best players. He's an absolute weirdo. Yeah, he is a weirdo. And I think Brooks is like reminding Tiger was a weirdo no too, hard though. To work. Right? Like, I mean, we could looking back, like Tiger's a weirdo, was a weirdo. Like he seems to be in a much healthier mental space. Well, clearly there was a period where you know, it was bad. But I even made a joke on Twitter today, Pat. I can't wait to tell my grandkids about how golf was saved in Tiger's third um hiatus. Is this gonna get to the point where Brooks and Bryson are paired together at some event outside of a major, but it happens in the morning and we don't get to watch it because that maybe this is what we need to get cameras on every single hole is like these guys not being on the coverage. Doesn't the U the, the USGA can be cheeky. They've done short guy. They've done fat guy. They've done glasses guy group, bald guy. Like they do things right. They've, they've had to apologize in the past because like they've gone kind of overboard. Um, with things, I think maybe like the fat guy group kind of set some people off. <laughs> but they well, have like a standard ro role, right? It's like past champion with like USM champion. So I don't think like even if they want to be funny, like I feel like they have an out to avoid the pairing. Yeah, but like, I mean, the past champions usually with the USM champion and maybe even like the reigning open champion or oh, something. Oh man, I would feel bad for the the US Am champion because I mean Brooks is a former champ, Bryson's the defending champ. So those two plus the the US amateur <laughs> champ. <laughs> like who is the ideal what, third who's who is the ideal what, third what, guy for that group? Is it Reed? I said if he's in the tournament, it's Steve Stricker. It's just a, yeah, but they're both making the team, so that doesn't matter. Yeah, but just well, it like... doesn't matter because if you remember when Watson coached that team, there was such division that he couldn't keep the team together and they got crushed. Right now, and I'm not the first to say it like Team Europe is sitting pretty. Uh -oh. Like, you would love to look at the dysfunction in the American side that they're sowing and think, great, they're just going to rip themselves apart again because that's what they do. There was division on the Furick team, too, right? Like, Reed got all hissy pissy when he got when him and Speed got broken up. Uh, yeah, Phil kind of went off on the Watson team. Uh, and it was great. One of the funnier takes was like, Padraig, he's watching, he's having like a scotch watching these two guys hate each other. And Phil just made the team <laughs> points for Padraig. It's tough. 
It's tough. I wouldn't want to be Steve Stricker right now. He would actually be a good third person, although I don't think he's qualified for the U.S. Open. He'd be a good third person. Well, I don't know who. Who? Well, let's try to figure out who it is. Do like? Do you put super like nice neutral guy in it? Do you put Phil in that group? Like the speech. Why not put Gary in there and have the last three champions of the U.S. Open in there? Nah, that's well, no. Then fun. they might have to. That's... Like if they actually do that, Tim. Like if they actually decide they want to put them together, they put Gary in there. That's like how they could vocally like justify it. Yeah, like oh no, all we did was put the last three champs in. <laughs> I, I think I, that I think that I mean, if the US, I mean the USG, you, no one likes the USGA. So now that NBC has the rights to the US Open, buying it from Fox, and they want to push this Peacock Prime or the fuck it's called, that you have to go on to actually stream these earlier groups that i can see nbc putting some pressure on the usga be like look we did you a solid buying you out and giving you this platform uh why don't you do us a favor and let us pick this bryson brooks group and let us pick a third to throw in it fuck throw would speed, that alter throw, your throw, desire to throws, bet either of them no not at all i'm just curious um i think you should put a third guy in there pat like a bubba who would be willing to like troll needle the whole day like both of them like a fun guy who would like play it up. Tiger would have been amazing. Like well, he well, he, he gets too serious probably at a major. What would Mickelson that. do? Mickelson would be amazing too. Just won the PGA. You have the reigning PGA champ. You have the reigning US Open champ. And the reigning Phoenix Open champion. Is there even like a snarky Euro? Like someone that oh, would just Oh, like... can we can we just put Poulter in the group and give him a headset? Yeah. <laughs> Poulter? <laughs> or or Garcia? Yeah. No, Garcia wouldn't be as fun. Garcia's like too... Uh, Poulter's like a fun upset all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. There's got to be a Euro that would just like um, troll the whole day. Stenson or something. Like a naturally funny guy. Or you just put in Hatton and he'd just be mad the entire... Well, how about this? Like a realistic pairing, those two in ROM. Just chuck them all together. Or, or or throw Dustin in because doesn't he have beef with Brooks too? Yeah, apparently they did. I don't know the story that they fought, right, or something. I don't know, man. It's hard to well, keep Brooke, up who Brooks has got a beef with. At Harding Park, remember? DJ was the 54-hole leader, and Brooks basically just asserted that Dustin was going to fall apart, and this is what he does at majors, blah, blah, blah. Now he did, but, but Brooks did worse. I wouldn't really say he it, fell apart. He actually played quite well. Second, right? more, more, Brooks right? fell apart. Brooks fell apart. Yeah. Brooks like wasn't on TV after the second hole. Yeah, he shot himself out of that tournament. Yeah, I mean DJ was in still in the hunt, but again, he did lose the fifty four. Yeah, hole. but I think Brooks's comment then was along the lines of like, "No, there's no like. He's only got one major. He doesn't scare me or something like." Uh... Sounds right. Well, but look, Brooks is a killer. He's the Listen, he's the he's, the, he's yeah. that tiger in the middle of the room, right? Not like Tiger Woods, but like the actual like Tiger, like the Bengal will get you. And like, that's why I respect the guy. He's like, he's cool and he knows he's cool and he's not afraid to let you know that you can't get to his level. Like Bryson could work as hard as he wants and be as cool and, you know, be as successful as he wants and have all these cool videos, blah, blah, blah. Brooks can just swat him away with one flick of his wrist and Brooks wants him to know that. I don't know if that's necessarily the case at this point. There's an Instagram story right now, Jeff, from Bryson. That is the picture of Brooks going like this. And it's a picture of Bryson photoshopping himself onto his hat, giving the thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> I, and there's something kind of endearing about... David uh, Lynch would 
Sounds like something David Lynch would come up with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bryson, he's just working on different levels here. There's something endearing about this Bryson stuff to me. I don't, I, I don't know why. I think it's because I feel like I know it's him doing it. Oh, I, think I agree. I agree. I agree with that for sure. He might have one other guy in the room like, what should we do? What should we type? What should I type? But yeah, he's typing it. I agree. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of that. Like there is something endearing about Bryson. Like he, he does have, he's like far more of the everyman. He's proof positive that you can do anything you want to if you set your mind to it. Like there's some, there's like a role model aspect to that. I mean, let's let's not pretend like Bryson isn't one of the most legit prospects in golf history, as a junior, as an amateur, as a college player, and coming out. Like he yeah, was on, he, he was on the level of Tiger and Jack in terms of what he had accomplished. Sure, but he didn't think that he could do what he needed to do the way he was. He didn't think he could do what Bryson Brooks was doing. And dominating he, he that run of majors. He wasn't. He hadn't had a top 10 in a major. He was no, right. but I mean, like, physically. Make a radical change. I mean, like, the style of play required to, to be a super elite. Yeah. He didn't believe he had that, that ability. He didn't. He was a very complete player, but he didn't have that ceiling. Um, what All those guys in the top five of the world did one thing that he wasn't doing, which was off the tee at that time. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tim, what are you going to cap? the match at right now yeah jeff laid out a good number there i might have laid a little bit more wood i might have laid like minus 145 for phil and uh and tom brady how is i'm gonna lose all my money betting on bryson in this aren't i well you should almost always take the underdog in these sorts of things because like why not you're getting a pro with another pro and like who knows what the amateurs are going to do that day like you you could never predict it. So you're probably smart taking whomever is plus money. I think I, it, just, it would strike me as odd that a top five player in the world would be an underdog to Phil Mickelson, who's 50. Who just won the major, won a major championship. That, that's fine. Just, but when was the last time before last week that Phil beat Bryson? The Masters, I, the PGA Championship. I think he's like two and 17 against him in the last few times. I, have no, it up. I don't know. But... People are going to like people like Tom Brady. People like Phil. They're going to bet on him. That's good. Maybe we can get. I, I mean, maybe we get a bigger line. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I I don't know how much handle events like this really get. A lot. Like, That's the whole purpose for the only reason that these things exist. Basically, coincided with legalized sports betting in America. They're literally yeah, like a two hour. They're a, they're a four that. hour commercial for the title sponsor, and they're about gambling. Yeah, but remember, the other two times they happened, one was the day after Thanksgiving, uh, which is a pretty dead day for sports. And then Exactly, the time, so it's all to it yourself. Is, it's, the, it's the one thing that you can gamble on. But this is not in that time of year. And what? then the other one, this is in July. I think it's July 6th. Sure, uh, but they, they, and what's going on? What else is going a, on July 6th? Bit. It's like two weeks before the Open Championship. There's Wimbledon. There is baseball. There is lead up to the, uh, the uh, NBA finals. Uh, there is lead up to the Olympic games. Like it's not a dead, dead spot in the calendar the way that May was last year when there was nothing on uh, because of the pandemic or two years ago it was the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, viewership and handle will almost certainly be down for this event. I very much, no, I, I very much do not. I did, handle will not be down for it. Yeah, it almost certainly will be. I mean, not involved. I mean, what, what, do, you think, what do you what do you think that the handle was on the one last year? I do not know. But so so how are you comparing them? Because Tiger's not in it. 
I don't know if I need any other comparative stick, even though I made the case for the time of year. The lack of Tiger, I think, is what does it. Rogers is going to spend the four hours using a couple opportunities to make that organization uncomfortable. (laughs) Who was it? Who was like the sideline reporter last time? Was it Justin Thomas? It was JT. Yeah. Nothing going on in the world at that point. I doubt he'll be doing that. Oh, they probably don't want to let him next to an open mic at this point either. Well, that's (laughs) that's a fair point, but just there's so much going on like that time of year that, if you're not playing in it, why would you be there? On a um, bit of a sideways note, guys, the Phil win might have one enormous payoff for everybody when all is said and done. It might have scary enough that it might have that it might have been needed. The scene, the 18th green, just everything that's magic. But that win might be the final straw that will get um, that will get CBS or NBC to pay him what he wants because someone a golf reporter made a comment about it that you know that that the talks were happening and real and people kind of balked at phil's price what it would take for him to do the booth work remember how good he was at harding Park? yeah yeah, everyone acknowledges it and he kind of wrote back at ship like uh, be careful what you wish for like with uh you know like i think that's something that is on the table with more steam now it's sad is the guy just want a major i don't think he's rushing to get in the booth but I swear, I think it it really like reignited the the world sentiment for this man and the networks noticed. I think in the end, if I had to bet, he's going to do one of these jobs one day and get paid what he wants for it. Well, I, that would be great because we live in a world where we have Faldo, who is very bland, except when he's cheering for Englishmen. And we have Azinger, who doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, at least when we had Johnny, we had somebody interesting and insightful and not afraid to be critical. We got nothing now. I don't think you're going to see Phil in the booth. Maybe for the select event or anything like that. Or he'll have the uh, the Mike Weir TSN job where when he misses the cut at the Masters, maybe he'll go into the booth at that time. But like you just said, the, the unintended consequence of Phil winning this major is that he's in all the majors for the next five years. Oh, yeah. I'm not even looking at this oh, as a short-term play. Maybe when he's 60. I don't know. But. I think one of the he, first things he mentioned, because I watched like four hours of post PGA championship coverage on golf channel. Cause I was so fired up that I couldn't do anything else. And like in the press conference, like the, one of the first things he mentioned was how he doesn't need that special exemption anymore. And he's got five years to take a crack at, uh, at a couple of home courses for him in, in Torrey and in Shinnecock Hills that are in that rotation of courses he'll get to see. It's exciting. Is he allowed back at Shinnecock Hills? that's a fair fair point too oh let's see brady is tweeting out more memes i do enjoy that like the like the sentiment is almost a hundred percent like anti bryson with how lame he's being but i do enjoy that like the golf writers are like look how lame bryson is like not realizing themselves that they're the lamest people on earth i just don't think they want to get on brooks's bad side or what I just don't think they want to be on his getting his wrath. He can be incredibly terse at these events. We saw it last week. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a vindictive soul, sort of like Aaron Rodgers. It's not worth it. Another reason that he and Aaron Rodgers would be a match made in heaven. Bryson, yeah, I think he like doesn't even like notice who made fun of him, like or who did something. I don't think Bryson cares. Like goes super viral. Like just the amount, and that's why I think this is a bit of a work. It's just the amount of 
now seeing Bryson get in on the action, that I just don't think that he would care either way unless there was some sort of profit to be made from this. You are right. It doesn't seem like he's the type of guy that would like, he could be lifting weights or, or working on something right now. It doesn't or, seem like. Or social media is incredibly addictive and people just pop off sometimes because it's fun. Oh, I know that feeling. Right? Like that, that, that explains things more often than it doesn't. Just you're caught up in the moment and you have something snarky to say and you just shoot off. I, I would agree with you on that, but it just seems like where Bryce, like just the way that we've talked about Bryson this entire time, how calculated he is. And like the, even the weird videos that he puts out where he's like playing video games without a shirt on and like weird stuff like that. It's all so calculated that he doesn't strike me as the type who would do that kind of thing. It seems like if there's a, there's a reason that he's going after it right now and whether it's to troll Brooks or they're secretly in on it together or if it's just to get a piece of the $40 million and move himself to the top of that list, then I think that's why he's doing it. Or or he's getting, or they told him, like, whoever's broadcasting this thing, hey, hey, maybe it's like a Floyd May- Mayweather deal with all four of these guys. Maybe Brooks has a piece of it too. Who knows? That if they sell, a, that they get a certain rake off the number of pay-per-view subscriptions that they sell to this thing. Maybe, but it's Occam's razor. The simplest solution is almost always the correct one. These people are just shooting off and don't like each other. And uh, it's kind of fun. And that's all there is to it. I I don't know that there is any sort of conspiracy underpinning any of this stuff. It all feels too calculated from every side. I don't know. Agree. Even Brady's involvement. Yeah. Some some Brady is going to like tell his employee meme guy like to go off on it today, like just for shits and giggles. Like and there's a plan here. It feels like or so, you, you know? saw it happening and said, well, get me into the mix somehow. Does that sound like Tom Brady to you? <laughs> I, mean, it is, I don't know. <laughs> so the way, the way, the way that I have conceived this in my head, what's going on right now. So there's this $40 million pool. Brooks and Bryson are trying to get their biggest piece of the pie with it. And maybe that they're seeing like this has caught fire and now they're pressing to go into it. And then they enlist the help. And especially with, coincided with the match being delivered right now and Brady's involvement in it, that maybe that there is a like certain cut of the money generated from both the sponsorship, the TV, whatever it might be from this golf event, uh, that Brooks and Bryson and Phil, you know, give up a, actually, I mean, Brooks isn't involved with it, but Bryson and Phil, maybe Brooks, they're like, Hey Brooks, we'll cut you in a little bit. We'll cut Brady in, uh, to some of the pool and just do a bit of a money exchange right now that, these guys, like I said, these guys aren't stupid, and they're fucking professional golfers. All they care about is money, so that would only make sense to me. I, I don't think Bryson is driven by money. They, they're professional no. golfers. That's what they do. Most people actually aren't driven by money, and I don't think he is either. I think he actually is driven by the desire to be better than others. If that if that was the case, he wouldn't be in those Bridgestone commercials. Well, to say that you aren't driven by money doesn't mean that you're an ascetic who hates it either. But I don't think that's his prime but even, motivation. Even being in those commercials, it's it like I, it's as much a part of being like a brand ambassador and a status symbol amongst your peers in the game who yeah, get I that agree. sort agree. of um, privilege of, of like one of these preeminent brands wanting to make them the face of of them. But uh, I yeah, I don't know. Bryson's after a lot of things. Money is part of it. It's all part of it. It's all strive to be great the money comes with it like i don't know the guy got on a plane and went home thought he missed the cut and he finished t10 like freaking the man (laughs) all right 
Anything else you guys want to talk about? Oh, Jeff, uh, I didn't get this story from Tim yesterday. I was thinking about Uh-oh. saving it for a cuss corner, which we do have one in the bag, by the way, if people are wondering. So that'll be coming out soon. You know those like weird beads that Tim had on the back of his seat like the ca- cab drivers have in his car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not there anymore, and Tim wouldn't tell me why. <laughs> I did sort of explain it to you, but I didn't want to embarrass myself. What happened was, see, those things are only made out of beads and like fishing line, right? And so one day when I had gotten out, the seat was not perfectly like in the seat where it should be. It was it, like it was pulled tight to some degree. Uh, like the like the seat was above, like the, the beads were resting above the seat and I didn't notice. And so when I got in the car quickly and sat down on it, snap. <laughs> A bunch of the fishing uh, wire gave way, like four or five of the pieces. Well, at that point, the thing is ruined. Uh, I looked at it and said, could I, could I darn this back together? Uh, but no, I, 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 I could not. So that's what happened, is that I got out of the car too quickly, and so the seat wasn't sitting normally, because I usually would straighten it, but I didn't. And then I got back in the car too quickly, and there was too much strain, because it's pulled pretty tight, and I just, anyway, that's what happened. Should have made it. Why did we have to tell the story? Like, I wasn't going to tell the story. Well, I wanted to hear the story. You wouldn't tell me the story. I figured if I got I you on the show, you, it, you, you said that it wasn't there anymore. You said it had something to do with fishing wire. You didn't tell me the whole story. <laughs> well, I based, no, I, I think I told you more than that. But like, I didn't want to go into detail because, like, who needs to know what happened to my seat cover? I'm sure, it's happened to everybody. Yeah. There's one thing you see that, that that's why you're like Bryson. I'm sure it's happened to everyone that my beaded seat cover which no one has used <laughs> since the 1970s just explodes on you when you sit on it yeah that, that's a regular oh, that is a regular occurrence for everyone tim just because of the weird angle at which the seat cover was in when i got on it that's all right any I'm final sure. any final thoughts here jeffrey no i think that's good i'll go i just i'll just close it like on a personal note to say bolt up no, yeah, the internet should stop teasing Charger fans about Julio. Like, the Chargers haven't even called Atlanta. I promise you. Guaranteed. Yeah, it would be awful if people photoshopped Julio into a Chargers jersey and started tweeting that at Jeff. That'd be awful. No, I don't care. I mean, they're just being driven by a betting line to make me think that we're, like, in or part of this. I don't think we've made a call. I, I go. I went over the odds with Preston and Quan on, like I said, the second half of this audio pod or in the video that's coming out on Thursday. Who do you think is the actual team? Because the Falcons right now are five to one. I said the Colts to somebody earlier this week, and I stand by that. I think the Titans will end up being the most desperate because, to me, with what they have being at like a running back into that next contract and Tannehill. I feel like they're the one whose like window is most up against it for the teams that are kind of in this conversation. Everyone else seems like their arrow is in many ways beyond this year. Like even the Patriots, like they just drafted a quarterback 15th overall and acquired a lot of young offensive players. Um, you know, Washington, Baltimore, the Titans is the one that, in my opinion, they feel the most like they really need it. They really need it because it feels like their window might close on them fast. I think that makes sense. Thank you for being on the show, Jeff. I just called you up out of nowhere and then I texted Tim Undergust. Tim Undergust. Not my name. And you were just available to jump on. So I thank you for that.
I guess in closing though, do you think this is going to be like in a month, in two months from now, is this like just a forgotten way? Like, remember like when we spazzed for three days about this? Yeah. I mean, that would be everything on the internet ever. (laughs) Every 72 hours, the thing that you couldn't believe happened is like, Oh yeah, that happened. Yeah. The, the biggest thing would be is to get these guys in a pairing or doing something together as quickly as possible so it's not out of people's minds before, like, at least a tournament or even if it is the U.S. Open or the PGA in some way needs to capitalize on this because you need to, like, Phil, Phil's not going to be at every PGA championship winning the event. Like, and this was my whole point about the broadcast when it came to Sunday. Yes, people tuned in to watch Phil. We know that. But you so rarely get such a wide net with a Phil or a Tiger winning something to draw all these eyes that wouldn't normally be there, that you need to build up stars somehow. And these are probably your two biggest ones along with Spieth right now. You know, you made a great point. Like, Harry Higgs is a nobody but he'll stay a nobody if he's doing great things and you don't let anybody know. And that Harry was, uh, about Higgs. it. Harry Higgs, Tim's Tim's British <laughs> buddy who doesn't exist. Uh, but like Harry Higgs is like a legit character, like a real personality on the PGA Tour. And the fact that they buried him and buried Ricky on Sunday against all like Phil walking down the fairway. And you wouldn't have to take anything away from Phil. You still would have got to see all the Phil you wanted. But that's like a legit story. Someone like Harry Higgs playing himself on a Sunday at the PGA Championship to get into the Masters for the next year, his first time ever. Like, that's a legit story for a guy who's like the 200th ranked player in the world. Like, CBS is all about the storylines and all about the drama. That's a storyline, a good storyline, and it had real drama, especially after he missed the green on the 72nd hole and had to get it up and down for par. Ricky was in exactly the same situation where he had to get it up and down for par on the 72nd hole, and he gets into the Masters if he makes that putt. He doesn't make the putt. What'd they do? Show it 20 minutes after it happened and didn't even talk up that storyline which I feel like is something that the audience would have cared about. Well, the point about the 20 minutes afterwards is sort of neither here nor there. Like if you don't know what happened and the vast majority of people watching the PGA on that Sunday had no idea that that was 20 minutes previous, that that's kind of not important. They, they, they showed it. So that, that was the important thing, but I think the hit stuff is well put, but ESPN actually showed quite a bit of his round earlier in the day when he was playing early. So chances, covered it a bit. but again, like, you know, they, if they're not showing Phil and the leaders, like people are like freaking out that they're not seeing the leaders and they'll flick away. Yeah. But they're, but, but, but it's not like they're not showing the leaders though. Like that's the whole thing. Like in between, there is a good five minutes in between or more in between shots. And I'm not saying when only show Phil when he's hitting or anything like that, but there's a noticeable gap where literally nothing is happening. When people talk about golf being boring, that's what they're talking about. It's not, like, you could be cutting away to different things. It's like when they should be showing shots and they're showing some sort of stupid, like, pre-production package. Well, from you CBS. know how I feel about it. Yeah. You need to have a couple of those. It's a television show. It's not just about shots. There's other things that you need to show. Well, how would we know it's not about shots? Because they never show shots. They do, well, they do. No, they don't. They don't show what you would like. I understand that you want nothing but shots. I, 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 I don't want nothing but shots. I want storylines as well, but to pretend that there's one storyline going on a golf tournament is absurd. Well, I, I agree. I agree with you there, but don't you trust that the people there who are pretty well paid and have been around the sport for a long time have a clue as to what they know their audience wants? No, absolutely. Absolutely. No, no. the answer is absolutely not. The fact that they've been there for 35 fucking years is the problem. Yeah, I agree. 
They are putting on they are putting right, on too. a 1989 television broadcast. Yeah, true. With, with that, a shot with a shot trasher and a drone. That's a, that's what you know. Yeah, 89 with shot tracer and a drone. But 89. My question 89. would be: Isn't that what those what people want? No, it's changing. It's changing. Yeah, those yeah, are the people that pay for cable. So you could be right on that. On or, ne- or those are the people that. Well, I guess it's network TV anyway. It's network TV, but all the money right now is going to be like the broadcasting rights came up. That's fine and everything like that. But I mean, CBS is in a precarious situation because they, I guess they have Paramount Plus they could sell it to. And I don't know how the streaming rights work for it, but uh, just getting more cameras on, at least you can push people to a product you actually have to pay for and really generate a lot of money that way. And eventually all the people who enjoy the broadcast, how it is right now, are going to be dead in a few years because they're all fucking 90 years old. I don't think that that's true either. I it, think people in their fifties and sixties do appreciate this type of coverage. And I mean, I'm like, I, I don't think that they want it exactly the way it is. I think you are right that particularly there are certain things they could change, but I actually don't think the whole structure you can indict it because that's what people want. No, but well, how do you know that's what people want? Tim, I would you, say... You think that any way that they present something to you is how people want it. No, people no, don't want it that way. Right. That is what people are used to seeing because that's all they fucking get. Tim, unequivocally, in my opinion, if we're talking major sports and you could debate, you know, PGA in that anyway, there's not a league or a fan base of that is... Like hardcore golf fans are alienated. PGA Tour fans are alienated more than any fans of any league in all of sport. So when I say that KFC is alienating me as a fan, <laughs> you know, you, you who cares, right? Because you're never going away. The PGA is alienating you, but you're never going away. You're, you're right. They time. know that. They know how they got it, my clip. How is it any different than the indictment you make against me? And I don't my, know. I'm a hypocrite. No, I don't have a clue. I don't know. It is because we're actually arguing the opposite things. We are mad that it's constantly staying the same and not evolving with the times, or you're mad that they're trying different things despite having <laughs> the same thing available to you anyway. Well, not just change, but like foregrounding things that I don't want to see foreground. <laughs> that has nothing I mean, to do with I what we're talking have, about. You a healthier a, planet? You, you, happy, you're not behind a healthier planet? I think there's a happy medium here between what we've got and what Pat wants that we get to. I what and like more more so what I'm talking about is probably best as a second screen observation. I, I agree. I, I agree with that, but I do think that this CBS broadcast is hilarious. Like NBC does such a better job than CBS at covering golf. And they don't even do a great job. Just compared to like CBS does a horrible job at it. Pat, do you know that in this I'm sure they'll have it the whole playoffs. Not that you would give a crap. Um Sportsnet has like their Leaf super fan doing watch alongs, which like, our buddy Drew is producing. Yeah, like, I, like it's not for me, it's not how I would want to watch that game, but I think that makes total sense. Like, all teams like could have that, and I think there's a total market for that sort of thing. Just well, the referee cam that's the Leaf super fan cam, it would just be whatever the referee is seeing on the ice. Oh, I <laughs> forgot about you. Uh, d- does it make uh, does it make you think that the guy that produces 
That broadcast is one of the former guests on the Pat Mayo Experience. The guy that I used to sit next to at Fantasy, that we used to sit next to, has been on the show, has helped produce this show back when it was at Fantasy. And he has basically just taken the Cut Sweats Live model and applied it at a bigger network, and it's actually working. That doesn't surprise me. I I think this is a very viable idea that should be the second screen experience for most people. And I'm glad that Drew is in a position right now where he has influence to make stuff like that happen. I mean, that that guy who watches along like Leaf Superfan guy, he's the fucking biggest goober in the world, but people seem to love him. I remember the day he asked uh, Gabe what the Titans had to trade to the Oilers to get Eddie George. Not knowing that they had moved Never. from Houston. And I thought Gabe was going to run out of the room. Screaming. He also claims Richard Gere's his favorite actor, but he'd never seen Primal Fear. So <laughs> he's just an interesting cat, but we like him. He's yeah, we, can, we love Drew. Shout out Drew. Drew. I can appreciate those takes. Drew has been moved up in the world since he had to sit next to us, Jeff. Now he's a big time producer getting stuff yeah, on actual big, TV. At the big network and the big tower on Mount Pleasant. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> so shout out Drew. Uh, that'll do it on the Pat Mayo experience. I thought this would go 15 minutes, and of course it went 50. Um, I think the full turn is they end up being partners at the Ryder Cup. Oh, you think this works in like a reverse rocker situation? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, exactly. We get to October or September, and and they're they're coming out of the tunnel together. <laughs> with, with U.S. flags draped over themselves, taken apart, whistling straights? Yeah, exactly, like the Bash Brothers. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. The second part of this audio podcast will be coming up right after this. If you're watching the video version, that's going to be the end of this episode. Tune in on Thursday with Preston Johnson and Quan Young. We're talking NFL. We're talking NBA and just a little bit of this Brooks stuff, but they don't really care about golf. So I had to call up two golf guys who, you know, I talk to on a regular basis about this stuff. Hope you enjoyed. Smash the like. Tune in tomorrow and that'll do it for me. Thanks for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Fantastic. How's golf Wait, yesterday? Tim beat fun. me by a shot. Whatever. You he's played a lot more than you, so I think that's a win. No, I, I'm not like Tim. I don't call I was say, I would take that as a win if it were me, but I don't think he will. No, I, I don't no, mean I, like I don't you t- didn't win, but I mean like for the first match out, like it feels like you'll be beating him by game two. Ah, it's weird no matter how well i'm playing or how well he's playing i mean i do normally beat him but it's always a struggle back and forth usually he melts down he tried to give me the win on the 18th hole and it didn't happen for me i just played too horribly well that's the best i had to make that putt and i made it well you have a buddy have a buddy who you can play like straight up and know like who the hell knows how this is going to I was out. making some putts yesterday that were frustrating. Oh, my God. T- Cuss strokes gain putting must have been, like, plus seven. <laughs> he, like, wow. he, he made four putts from outside 30 feet. Shut up. Oh, yeah, I was, I was dialed in. There it is. Congrats. That's awesome, Tim. Good stuff. All right, Jess. Awesome. I enjoyed that. All yeah, right. Talk soon. See you. Bye. Bye. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Research and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. Lucy has created nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that come in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. I like the pomegranate from the ones I've had so far. Lucy also has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine in cherry ice flavor. Also, 
tastes really great. And it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, on the golf course, even at the gym. If that's something that you're into, uh, that's not so much for me. But at the golf course, that is perfect. So I'm not having a cig per hole. I just have a lozenge per hole. Actually, not even per hole, at least per my experience. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes. Unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple, and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has the delivery down. The Pat Mayo Experience listeners go to lucy.co and use promo code MAYO to get 20% off your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code MAYO at checkout, M-A-Y-O. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning! This product contains nicotine, derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, and be sure to use that promo code MAYO at checkout. NFL future bets and props. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about how you bet in the futures market, whether tying up your money at the very end of May for a payout maybe in January is actually worth it or not. I guess we'll have to find out if that's the case. If you have a good line, the answer is yes. Most of the time, the answer is no. At least that's my takeaway from it. Maybe talk about some NBA futures as well and just all things going on around the sports betting landscape. If you out there want to help out the show, smash the like button. In the comment section, please, in the NFL with the win totals right now from DraftKings Sportsbook, and you can see the vig that goes along with all the overs and all of the unders. You tell me what your single favorite over and or under is right now as we sit here. And I, maybe we can get into this as well, but you know, unders before you hear about any injuries or anything else might be a play if you're going to actually be betting some of this stuff so early because maybe things break in your direction. Uh, things really break for the better throughout the course of the preseason. They tend to break against a lot of teams in the preseason should some sort of key member go down. Or maybe you got a hot NBA tip for me. I want to hear those too. I also subscribe to Mayo Media Network on YouTube to help out the show. Bringing them in right now from bets.tv launching a brand new show next week so you should all go subscribe get in early be one of the very first subscribers to it preston johnson the sports cheetah Taquan young having your own show together welcome to the pat mayo experience and congratulations on the new show thanks for having us guys like we we're so excited for this it's been a while we've been prepping everything in the new studio the new launch and then to you know get a little rehearsal with you is perfect and next week the plan is uh, to start our live shows up. So it'll be a show called Last Word Cheetah. I'm the host, Quan's my co-host slash producer extraordinaire. And uh, we're excited. It's going to be a show about interacting with the fans, taking calls, kind of old school radio meets sports betting, which just no one's really doing yet, where you take calls and let the people talk about the games they want to bet on and, and talk it through. So uh, it, it should be good. It should be engaging. It should be fun, like less pressure on like you have to have winning picks every night or no one listens to your show. Um, so I, I've been there plenty of times in the past. So yeah. <laughs> We're stuck, man. We appreciate you having us on again. Yeah, no problem. Quan, are you the one who's going to do all these phone call screenings? I am. I'm going to be talking to the people in, in the best capacity that I can. I'm I'm also learning from Preston, too. I'm not really a, a sports gambler or sports better. My grandma taught me how to gamble, so I play, I play penny spl- plenty slots. So interested in learning how to actually win some money off of the teams that I love and hate. Oh, Preston, you got to give him more money to be the producer if he has to answer these calls. Trust me, I used to be a phone screener, and it is the fucking worst. It's it's awful. 
So be prepared. Heads up for him. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to the people. Yeah. All right, well, let's jump into this. NFL props and futures going into the year. So I wanted to kind of rehash what I said right off the top, Preston, about is now actually a good time to tie up your money unless you feel like you have the biggest advantage of the world on a number? I think it's fine. I I know some um, professionals that prefer to just tie up their money week to week, right, or game to game. But uh, I kind of have always allotted a certain amount of my bankroll for preseason futures, whether it be college football, NFL, NBA, and there's going to be pretty massive edges. Now, what you're trying to quantify are getting a little detailed here off the top, but you know, is your edge bigger on a limited amount that you have to wait to actually cash in, say, six or seven months versus a smaller edge week to week and you know, trying to compound that money over the course of a season. So that's what you're trying to measure. I just like doing both, man. So <laughs> I love futures bets. It gives you extra sweats, you know, from the start of the year towards the back end. Uh, and and I'm all for it. I'll do anything. There's a ton of derivatives now too in these, uh, you know, markets where you can have like comeback player of the year, coach of the year, defensive player of the year, all the rookie stuff. And so it, it offers some extra, I guess, angles or p- avenues or pathways to if you like a team, but betting them at a different odds and different prices that aren't just over under eight and a half wins, right? Or, or are they going to win the Super Bowl? Well, what about like coach of the year or, or some sort of um, you know rookie that, that you think will stand out? So there's definitely a lot of opportunity to be had. Do you think that there's much value in betting? Like, is there any value in the favorites of these, I suppose? Because the favorites are going to be up there for a reason, yet when we look at it and just kind of reverse engineer history, especially when it comes to something like MVP. I mean, rookie of the year is probably a bit more consistent with this. But just Super Bowl futures and MVP futures. I mean, the favorites, I guess Tampa won last year. That's like the first time, I mean, what, what was Kansas City the year before? Like, they weren't the overwhelming favorites going into the season. They were only that after they won the Super Bowl. Right. I think it, it's an interesting time to bring this question up because Tom Brady has just ruined everything, <laughs> no matter what team he plays for. If you just bet on the Patriots or then the Buccaneers last year, they're just it doesn't matter what their odds are, whether they were their favorite or not. They've just been cashing so frequently that you're up a ton and you're up a ton if you're just betting them week to week against the spread too. So generally, yeah, you don't want to be looking to just play favorites in the NFL. And if it's been Tom Brady, it's just panned out. But in, you know, in the large macro scope of it all, you're trying to find value in, you know, some teams that maybe are flying under the radar to some extent, right? You're not going to have value usually betting the chiefs or betting on Tom Brady every year. It could be the case again this year though. We just, we just don't know, but uh, it's, it's interesting. I think it puts into perspective just how great he is from a, t- a talent standpoint and relative to betting markets, he's just outperformed and overachieved to a level that we really just haven't seen in other leagues and other sports. I mean, he, he's out kicking his coverage right now on Instagram and Twitter, just <laughs> shit talking both Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau. I'm actually kind of, I don't understand like how this can be, this golf match is going to be capped. People don't know. It's Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady who played yep. together last year against like Barkley and Steph Curry and just wiped the floor with them. I, I think that's what happened at least. Uh, just stuff yep. escapes me in my mind right now. Football was going on at the same time. It's kind of hard. And I think the Masters was right around then too. But now he's got Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. I know Phil just won a PGA championship, but this feels like it's not a fair fight in this sort of competition. Like <laughs> these weird, like, do you think that the books do well with competition? Like this is, seems to be the only reason that these sort of events exist is to draw exist. in casual people <laughs> to bet on. I mean, I think, I think a fans that don't bet still enjoy watching them as well. I, I'm not familiar with golf as much as other sports, 
but I'm definitely not familiar with Aaron Rodgers as a golfer. Is he supposed to be pretty good, like theoretically similar to Tom Brady or Peyton Manning? Or I feel like he's, from what I've heard, I think a notch lower or not, if not a few notches. And if that's the case, then it doesn't seem like a very fair fight. But uh, last year, like Brady wasn't very good in their match. He jarred one from like 130 from the yeah, fairway. That was big time. Yeah. And, and it made it seem like he was awesome. But like Rogers <laughs> plays in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am every single year. I have no idea what his handicap is. Okay. But just okay. even trying to cap it last year, they were putting, I forget who, it was whatever the Barkley team was. He was playing, I think, with Phil, maybe against him. I'm not quite sure. There was one of them where there was a pro against two non-pros. It was like Romo and someone versus a pro and an NFL player. It's like bet on the professional golfer. They're going to win. This isn't even close. And when I look at it right now, yeah, Phil's won a major, but like Bryson's one of the three best players in the world. Just bet on Bryson. It doesn't matter how good Just bet on is. Bryson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's probably the fair assessment then. I, I just, what, where did they, did they play at the same format both times? I believe so. And this one I think is going to be in like Montana this time, which is just strange. Hmm. That is, I didn't know they played golf in Montana personally. <laughs> There's a lot of open fields out there. Uh, but when it comes to these <laughs> NFL awards, I, let's start with these. I've made two bets so far for MVP, and they're purely for narrative purposes and to spite someone that I do a show with all the time. I have Tua, 80 <laughs> to 1, to win MVP. I have Sam Darnold, 80 or 100 to 1, to win MVP. Wow. Just, just because when this guy jumps off the bandwagon or hates on someone, all of a sudden that person's the MVP the next season. Aaron Rodgers was cooked in football last year. Turns out he won the MVP. So just bet against him, I found, is a much better strategy for me in actually winning money than just making my own picks. But... In an MVP market, like, do you see guys down the board, like, that you can create a path for that could realistically be MVP? Because they don't need the best stats. They just need stats plus narrative. Do you have one, Quan? I, I think that the Los Angeles Rams made a brilliant move in bringing on Matthew Stafford. I'm a big uh, Lions fan, Pat, and uh, <laughs> I've watched Stafford play there for 12 years, and I'm, you want to talk about an underrated quarterback. You know, the last couple of years, the narrative has been, oh, he can't win, he can't win. Well, who the hell can win with the Detroit Lions? So um, I'm big on the Rams. I've been telling people, you know, the last couple of months that I've been a lifelong Rams fan for, for my entire life. So I, I look to him. If he stays healthy, I think I saw something about his thumb being completely healthy. And uh, if he has no back problems, I look for him. He has weapons now, and he has a defense where, you know, he won't have to make all those plays downfield. So I look for him to have a great year. Um, I'm I'm not going to say I'm going all in on him yet, but that would be my pick. Well, he's sitting right now as the fourth favorite. He has the same odds as Tom Brady to win the MVP. I think a lot of people are feeling like you are. Oh, yeah. It's time they, they, they see what he's been doing and working with in Detroit. I'm pretty sure that's moved down quite a bit. I think it was 30 to 1 range, and people you know have been betting the same narrative. I'll say this. I'm... I'm intrigued by the Darnold and, and Tua picks. Like they are pretty far down the list. But you asked, can you find avenues and pathways to these guys winning MVP? Lamar Jackson did it two years ago as a hundred to one shot, right? Like it definitely exists, and it's probably going to be a quarterback. I believe ten of the last eleven have been quarterbacks. So in a league where it's just all about you know whether it's dual threat or just throwing so consistently and frequently in the year 2021. I wouldn't even look outside of a quarterback. I think you can find some running backs that are 100 to 1. You could try to make cases for it. It's just not going to pay off or be worthwhile. And so it's, okay, what's the quarterback that can kind of come out of nowhere on a team that you don't think could make that leap that does? And 
ultimately, I'm not sure. I, I am 100% behind the Sam Darnold one. But I could see Miami being similarly good defensively with more weapons for Tua offensively in his second you know, real season, finally healthy. Um, that, one, that one makes some sense. So I'll give you credit for that one, Pat. Well, I mean, you're going to have to give my co-host credit for that because he said that there's no – he said that uh, Tua would probably be in the CFL by this time next year. So, uh, <laughs> so that, that's why. That, that's usually a strong indication to bet on that person. And Darnold just left his mighty Jets. So, of course, that only means a Redemption boost Redemption story. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the way that – I the, I think that the, what people overlook – and I got into – I ended up on the losing side of this argument last year – was Burrow versus Herbert for uh, Rookie of the Year. And Herbert was playing out of his mind – but I still contend that if Burrow had just played the entire season and it had improved over time, that the overwhelming narrative amongst media members, because it's not like who actually had the best season. That's not who wins MVP. That's yeah. not who wins Rookie of the Year. It's who does the media perceive as as having bad, had the best year versus expectations. And when you're the number one pick and you play up to number one pick standards, even if you're not the best quarterback that season, chances are you're going to split the vote or you're still going to win anyway. He won big on Herbert 16-1 to 1 because, obviously— he ended up breaking all the records. Joe Burrow got hurt. And there was just no other competition at that point. It was a great bet. I was completely wrong. But I do stand by that you have to figure out an actual narrative to some of these awards. Because unless you get some sort of outlier season, sort of like Adrian Peterson breaking the rushing title, that's it. the only time you're going to see a non-quarterback win MVP. And if it's someone who was expected to be like, okay, and they were great during a year, they're going to be the MVP. I'll say this. I'll make a little quick uh, NBA analogy. Recently, they voted on sixth man of the year, and Jordan Clarkson was the overwhelming favorite right before, you know, up until the end of the regular season. There was some love for Joe Ingles, who's actually his teammate, funny enough, um, because in the analytics crowd, Joe Ingles just grades out as a much more impactful, positively impactful player. And uh, depending on, if you look at the 100 media votes for six man of the year, now Clarkson ended up winning because he just scores the most points off of the bench, which has kind of been what the award has been for so long. And it's the narrative of, well, he's the guy that can come in and you know make the biggest difference when he comes in and scores points. That's just what it's been. Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford previously too. Uh, now I think the media in those narratives are getting a little smarter. They're getting a little more analytically savvy because early on Ingles actually like had a lead through the first 20 to 25 votes that came in. Now, a lot of the voters in that group, that basket were a little more the nerdy analytically savvy <laughs> voters, but the, the narrative is shifting a little bit. And so while you're 100% correct on these awards needing to have the narrative and ultimately needing to have a team that actually performs well, I, I do think that slowly the analytics crowd is kind of weaving its way into making a, a difference in the awards. Not 100% yet, but I think we're getting there, which I think to have kind of the best of both worlds will be perfect as far as these awards go down the road. Are we getting there in basketball? Yes. Are we getting there in football? Football. That's a good point. Fair that, enough. that I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's fair enough. Yeah. It might take another 10 or 15 years. Yeah, potentially so. Um, so is there anyone from down this list that you can see, like creating that narrative for themselves? Like, I mean, we can talk about comeback player of the year, too. I don't know if Carson Wentz actually qualifies for that, but let's just say he's good again. Yeah. And he's with Indianapolis. So, Indianapolis wins the division. They're like a two seed in the AFC. The expectations for him now are so low. I don't think that there's any value in his number at 40 to 1. Like, it seems like that narrative has been thought through. Uh, or people just love betting on Carson Wentz. I'm not quite sure. But he seems to be like the, that type of player 
who we know what his like baseline goodness is, but we know what the floor is as well. And enough people think that he's at the floor, not his like median type of play, that if he just overperforms what you expect him to do and he's on a good team, that can just go such a long way. Matt Ryan's kind of the same way as well. So I actually had made a note for Carson Wentz uh, on my sheet of, of potential bets I like for comeback player of the year. He's the sixth favorite at nine to one. Dak Prescott's the overwhelming favorite at plus 175. So I was just looking at those two in comparison, and I know people generally uh, kind of fall towards the injury and then comes back in his great sentiment. But what about Carson Wentz just losing his job so poorly last year to Jalen Hurts, then being on a different team where, look, the Colts, they're in good position to, like you said, potentially being a top seed in the AFC, winning the division. I'm not sure there's much of a difference in Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott. And really, when it's all said and done, the betting markets think the Colts are going to be a better team than the Cowboys as a whole by about a half win. So as far as getting 9-1 to there or Dak Prescott plus 175, I think that comparison, I, I kind of like the Carson Wentz play. Now, MVP level Carson Wentz, now that he's back with Frank Reich, you know where he kind of had been a better quarterback in Philly when they were working things out together and game planning together. We'll see if it can really get to that. 40 to one is probably not worthwhile, but I think the angle then on the Carson Wentz and Indianapolis Colts being, you know, better or at least a, a top seed or playoff team uh, is the comeback play of the year at nine to one. Uh, Quan, do you have any love for anyone down this list, uh, either on the comeback player of the year? Cause I saw Sam Darnold on the comeback player of the year list. I don't know what the fuck he's coming back from. Uh, just being <laughs> on a shitty team. Like now he's on a better team. Great. He's 16 to one. Like just kind of looked at that and was like, so if he just has an average season, he's the comeback player of the year. If Carolina gets nine wins, but if it's not Stafford for you for MVP, like down the list, is there anyone that you can craft a story for that? Like, Oh, Jalen hurts is the MVP. That kind of thing. I think if you're thinking just narrative strictly, it's going to be Dak Prescott just because of the market that the Cowboys are in and how much the NFL wants to will them into, you know, that top seed. And, you know, I think he has a lot to prove uh, coming off of that injury. So I think a lot of it will be built around him. But I don't want to sleep on Josh Allen because the improvement from him from season one to last year was something that I don't think anybody expected. And I don't see a path anywhere in the, the AFC East where anybody's going to be able to stop those bills over the next couple of seasons. You know, they have that brilliant defense and he was making plays downfield. He was making plays with his legs and, you know, they look good in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm expecting the bills and Josh Allen to have an even bigger year. You know, I, I know it's, it's more so at the top with the, uh, the favorites. I think Joe Burrow would be um, somebody that you look at for comeback player of the year. Once again, the narrative with injuries and, and the media, I think that that's like the number one sticking point for most of them is, you know, how it's, it's an ACL injury too. So it was an ACL injury, right? I believe so. Um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, those are one of the most devastating injuries to come back from. And, you know, you, you kind of saw him gaining momentum before he got injured and, you know, all this talk about the, the Bengals actually being a bad team and, and him needing weapons. So, you know, I think that if, they can actually figure it out. He would be somebody that I look at for comeback player of the year. Pat, I got one for you. Let's hear it. One. Fitz magic. <laughs> 100 to one. The Washington football team somehow in some way made the playoffs last year, despite some of the worst quarterback play we've ever seen in the history of the game. 
Fitzpatrick, look, the Dolphins were a lot better when when Fitzpatrick was under center. It just is what it is. He's always kind of raised the floor of teams. And this has a look, Washington's a defense that let me just pull it up. Look, they were number two in success rate uh, defensively last year against the pass. They're number three in uh, EPA per play. And they're going to play a schedule that's pretty difficult. So I think that's like the downside to can they pull it out? But look, now you have an actual veteran under center that I think can make it happen. And last year, Fitz, Fitz uh, Patrick, I think it was something like 43% of his pass attempts were to open receivers, which is the second lowest rate in the league. And now you have Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel they got. Uh, I think just the weapons that Washington has surrounding him as a quarterback are also better. Um, so 100 to one kind of as if you like Washington as a whole, which I do, right? Like over eight wins, I think also some value. 100 to one shot, just worth a little dabble. <laughs> if it's magic, might happen. I think I'm going to stick with my uh, my Sam Darnold at 100 to one. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, Fitz Magic. Uh, if Sam Darnold wins MVP, I will buy you dinner. But if Fitzpatrick wins, you have to buy me dinner. And they're similar odds. So I think that's you guys good. are going to be hungry. Yeah, we're we're going without. That's probably the most likely scenario with all of this. Now, MVP stuff. I was just looking at coach of the year and like Stefanski is still a co-favorite. Has I don't think anyone's ever won back-to-back coach of the year awards for one thing, but there's expectations in place now. Like the only way that he could win coach of the year is if the Browns went 15 and 1 or 16 and 1 now with the extra game on. Like that just seems like a weird odd to me. That's a good point. I, I haven't looked that up to see historically if coach of the year is in the NBA. I know it's it's happened a few times, but the NFL, you're right. Once you set your precedent, like that's it, you know, unless unless they really just like run the table here. I'll say this. I think uh, one of the most heavily bet was Ron Rivera year two in Washington. Again, going back to kind of the pro Washington love. Uh, he was in like the 31 range. Now it's down to 16 to one. But that's been a very popular pick. And I guess one, if you're trying to think of kind of comeback coach of the year combo, feel would just be Shanahan, right? Just because I think San Francisco projects and expects to be a lot better and healthier this year. And, um, you know, where they end up remains to be seen, but they were just so poor a year ago and so injury ridden that maybe somehow he kind of makes his way back into the mix. And I still think he's one of the more brilliant minds in the league. Well, you could kind of make that same case too for Bill Belichick. He hasn't won a coach of the year award in over a decade now. Sure. If New England all of a sudden, whether it's with Mac Jones or Cam Newton is just healthy uh, and isn't suffering from like long term COVID or whatever the hell happened to him after he came back from the COVID-19 list last year, he just wasn't the same guy. Maybe it was another year with a shoulder injury. I don't know. But if they can find a way to manufacture like 11, 12 wins, the expectations are just so low for them now that it would be the first time that having a normal Patriot season would be if it would feel like they've really overachieved and to give him you know, his fourth coach of the year award where it's been so long it just seems like something they would want to do i don't hate that angle either i don't do you have one you like or i think i really hate to say this but i think matt Nagy has <laughs> something because like where is he on the list he's 30 uh okay, 30 to 1 30 to 1 and and there's a lot of energy in chicago and that division is horrible like i don't see it with with aaron Rodgers being on the bubble and not coming back I see if they win a division, which I believe should be somewhat easy. What are they projected at for wins? Probably third, right? The Vikings are probably still second behind Green Bay. And and Detroit's I not in the, mix. the entire the entire thing depends on if Aaron Rodgers goes back to Green Bay. I believe, and I don't. I wouldn't see Minnesota as a team that's going to be leaps and bounds above Chicago. 
So that's contrarian. I'll give him that. That is contrarian. If I mean, I I think the narrative is there for Nagy because you know you did all this about Mitch for the last couple of years, and you got the quarterback that you wanted. So if you go out there, you win a division and a playoff game. I think that that does the trick for precedent, as you guys said. Um, you know, with a, a a coach needing a redemption arc and, and a narrative right there. Huh. And it pains me to say that. I hope nobody. I think I know everybody's going to see this, but if you know I'm a Lions fan, whatever. Well, what's going on with the Lions? How how in are you on Dan Campbell as a head coach? I am a lifelong LA Rams fan. Oh, okay. I do not. I don't. I don't like. I like the GM. I like everything surrounding it. I don't like the mash, smash mouth football attitude anymore. I don't think that that game is played. He's like one of those hard nosed 1990s coaches, like a Marty shot. High. Like the biting the kneecaps thing is completely off putting because I get that you want to be tough. I get that you want to have an identity, but this game is about speed. This game is about creativity, and this game needs to evolve past punching people in the mouth every play you got to be smarter you got to be faster and his philosophy to me is just dated so i will watch from afar any idea where julio jones is going to potentially land up so i'm looking at the odds right now offered by DraftKings sportsbook patriots two to one titans four to one falcons five to one chargers seven to one ravens and colts both eight to one so are the niners so are the raiders so are the uh, the jags are 10 to one the browns are 12 to one do you think, Preston, that he just ends up staying with the Falcons, although he says that there's no chance? Like, doesn't this put them in a really awkward position? It does. It reminds me. I'm sorry I keep saying the NBA. I am an NBA fan, but you've had these players that have had these, like, strong player movement roles where I just want to demand to get traded, and it's kind of worked out. And it hasn't really hit the NFL yet, but we've seen it somewhat with, you know, Deshaun Watson and potentially here. I And maybe Aaron Rodgers, right? So I don't know. I hate to handicap and actually recommend to people bet this all on speculation unless you have you know julio's phone number and can text him and find (laughs) out what he's thinking or if he's heard anything it's just it's just really tough to speculate so i I will say this i would think that him staying in atlanta is probably again don't bet this but i think it's from a perception standpoint, him staying is what everyone doesn't want to see. There's this hype now that Julio could go to all these cool teams, right? And so people are betting all the other teams. And so him just actually staying in Atlanta and playing his first game there uh, probably is the value bet just from a game theory standpoint or just kind of a psychology of what other betters are doing. Everyone, you know, the Titans were a hot um, discussion either yesterday or the day before. It's a potential landing point, and um, if people are betting there. Or they want to see him, you know, because the Patriots have made moves in the past for number one big wideouts on the outside. Maybe Belichick does it again, you know, or they just want him to go to their team, so they bet their team. Maybe Atlanta's the value pick just because of that. But again, it, it's nothing I would go crazy on just because it's, you know, none of us really know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, it's tough for me to wrap my mind around what's going on there because if there is a team, at least with a receiving core, that could theoretically give up a Julio Jones, who it's just really weird when you see the perception on Julio. And Quan, I'll ask you about this. Like, it does seem like there's a lot of people out there who don't think that Julio Jones is good, and I don't understand it. Really? 
Yeah, who are these people? Let's talk to them. Uh, it, it just, there's, tell them to call Vets TV. <laughs> I, I think it is people who play fantasy every single year. Like Julio Jones, the yeah. first round draft pick. And he always okay. is a first round draft pick, but like he'll miss a game. It's like he's always injured. It's like he's not always injured. You know, he plays like an average of 13 and a half games per season in a 16 game season over like the past 10 years or so. And it's the fact that, you know, he only scored six touchdowns. He's not very good. Like it seems like people are always trying to pick apart and come up with reasons why Julio isn't a top five receiver in football when he probably is. <laughs> Incorrect. Incorrect. Like the the point with a, a number one like Julio is that he gets he gets game plan for. So you're you're throwing double teams at him all game. They're throwing different looks at him. So Matt Ryan, I'm sure, is looking elsewhere. But he's the big play guy. He's the guy that you depend on. And you know, if you need, like I, I reference back to what was it, Super Bowl, the Patriots Super Bowl. That that sideline catch that should have been the end of the game right there. And those are the type of players and the type of plays that. He still has. It's just, you know, when you lose and you lose and you lose, what's the point of showing up every week? So I don't think it's uh, Julio's not good thing. I just think that, you know, sometimes you, you got to leave the team where you, where you started or you, you just need a fresh look. And I think wherever Julio goes next, he should go somewhere where he's a compliment. To, I think the Cardinals would be a good idea, you know, because you got DeAndre Hopkins out there that way. You're not getting game plan. You're not the number one guy. So you can show the flashes and you don't have to be there on every play. You know, in, in Atlanta, he was that guy. And in, in another system, he doesn't have to be that guy, but he'll still contribute at a high level. All right, Preston, I want to switch over to the NBA right now because obviously the playoffs are going on. And I don't really talk a ton of NBA, but I follow it so just so... I follow it digitally is probably the best way that I would put it. I, I enjoy to hear people talking about the NBA and breaking things down for me. I've actually been catching more. The only the only game that I caught so far besides the play-in game with the Warriors and Lakers was the first Hawks-Knicks game, which I just couldn't have enjoyed more. Fantastic. Uh, it just I love Trey Young so much that... I try. He's one of the few like appointment TV type guys for me. So I'm just going to be following that series very closely. Obviously, we're recording this before the Wednesday evening games. But for Thursday evening, you have Milwaukee in Miami up to Phoenix. Now back at the Lakers coming off the loss 1-1. And then Denver and Portland. Now in Portland, that's tied at 1-2. I was looking at the series prices and I was surprised that Denver was such a huge underdog. I get that they, they've they split at home. Uh, they lose that advantage that they have in Denver. They're going to Portland. But uh, it, it doesn't strike me as that there's as big of a discrepancy between these two teams as maybe the Lions are trying to tell me, or maybe I just have a terrible read on this. Because right now, the Nuggets are still plus 140 to win this series, and the Blazers are minus 175. Are the Blazers really that much better in an even series? So... It's worth noting before the series even started, when Denver still had home court advantage, the Blazers still closed about a minus 130 favorite. So going to minus 175 after, you know, stealing game one, they now have home court advantage in a five game series. So the price is always going to get more expensive. The ultimate question I think you're trying to grasp or, or, or understand is, you know, was Denver really supposed to be plus 110 before the series even started with home court at that time or, or plus 140 range now in the market? That's a fair question. I think when it's all said and done, you're looking at a guard play because of the Jamal Murray injury, and it's been a lot of Campazzo. You know, bless his heart. Everyone loves watching him play. It's Austin Rivers, and Marcus Howard's been playing like 15, 16 minutes a game, I think, so far through two. And while uh, it was good enough in game two to get a, to get a W, I'm not sure that guard play will end up 
being able to match what Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum can do in a seven game series. Now, can Jokic, you know, to an extent, him and Michael Porter Jr. make up the difference? Yeah, they might maybe one or two more times, but can they do it for, you know, three of the next five? I think Portland, again, before the series started, uh, I actually had bet them at minus 105. I, I thought that that was cheap, and then it, it, it did drift up somewhat. So I think it's relatively fair to what we're, what we're seeing now in this price range. Uh, and I, I wouldn't stay away, I, I, or excuse me, I would stay away. I wouldn't be backing Denver here. Um, if anything, maybe you get a nice number in game four if you want to play kind of the zigzag theory, which has existed in NBA playoffs in the past where it kind of shuffles back and forth. But um, for me, I'm just going to sit back and, and hopefully my Portland series bet cashes. Uh, which LA, you guys are LA guys. Which, uh, which LA team yeah. are you feeling the worst about right now? That would be the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, I mean it has to be. He's wearing red for the Clippers. No, the uh, that is it's so weird. What? All right, I'm trying to articulate what I want to say here because I'll say it's the Lakers are going to be okay. Unfortunately, because of the Chris Paul injury, I think he wasn't himself, and the Lakers are going to pull this out. I think they're going to win the series. After that, who knows where they'll be at? I think they're not 100 percent healthy. At least LeBron isn't as quick as he's been in the past, and that could be a thing. But the Clippers, just from a not even a betting standpoint, like they shifted their entire franchise to get Kawhi and ultimately had to trade everything away, SGA and picks for years to get Paul George as well. And if they come out of this with one playoff series win and then an up, getting upset to the Nuggets in the bubble, getting upset by the Mavs here in round one, who they tanked and punted, I think, the last three games of the regular season so they wouldn't play the Lakers. They wanted to play the Mavs. And then to have Luka do what he's doing to them, like it would just be so detrimental. And so what does that mean? What's the price range now? Like, can we bet the Clippers at plus 200? I'll say this. Luca's. I've gone on record saying it's going to be Jordan 1A, LeBron 1B, Luca 1C. I said that over a year ago. I think we're just kind of seeing it in delight. He's only 22, and he's just going to be the best player on the floor almost always now for the next decade. But as a team, when you go to two through five, my numbers, my projections, my grades still like the Clippers somewhat. I, I, I love the minus 140 after they lost game one for them to win the series. Now they're over, you know, they're two to one or even higher some places. So I think now's the time to buy the Clippers when nobody wants to, everyone's going to talk up Dallas and Luca. But when it's all said and done, if, if, if Luca takes care of business and Dallas gets it, it wouldn't surprise me just because I think he's a generational talent and the Clippers just something not quite right when you watch them. And, and like, how do you just give up 50% threes back-to-back games to a Dallas Mavs team? You, you know what they're going to do. It's just, it's frustrating. I'm not even a Clippers fan, but I did like them in that game game two scenario playing them in the series at a cheaper price and now it's even better and i just think who knows where their franchise goes if they end up losing first round so you think that they have a much better chance to erase the 2-0 deficit than let's say the heat going or the heat taking on milwaukee because as a raptors fan i've watched milwaukee do this before that is fair um can you compare Kawhi Leonard that year to Jimmy Butler in this Heat team? Probably not. Uh, the Raptors also were, I think, w- way better suited as far as role players like Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, Trevor Ariza. They're just not going to get you to where the Raptors did. So you're right. Also, I think the biggest note here, though, because you don't want to – granted, I don't think Miami's as good. They're not going to shoot crazy from three like they did in the bubble. I don't want to just pound on Miami. Milwaukee is – so much better now than they were the last two years for three main reasons. The first being the trade for Drew Holiday, who's just a massive upgrade over Eric Bledsoe to begin with, and what he can do defensively and also as far as creation with the ball and playmaking on another level that no one else could do. And you can't sag off sag off him like defenses would do and set up that wall on Giannis because Drew Holiday can shoot a three-pointer. 
So that's the first thing. The second thing is what that trade actually did to help Mike Budenholzer coaches. He is extremely systematic. It's one of the best like regular season systems we've seen in the playoffs. He would still play 10 or 11 guys in down two, three in a series. It just, it doesn't even make sense. He wouldn't play Giannis more than his 34 to 36 minutes until they're down, you know, and it's the final game of the season, potentially he's not maximizing what they have as far as like one through four or one through five. But what this trade for Drew Holiday did is their depth got worse. And now he's not in a position where he feels like he can play 10 or 11, right? Maybe he can only play eight or nine, especially when they start playing tougher teams. I think he'll find out like, okay, Bryn Forbes, for example, who went off and hit a bunch of threes against Miami. He's probably going to be a liability defensively when they go up against the Nets. He might be unplayable. That's fine. Just play your best five to seven more often. And Bud will have to realize that this time when in the past years he hasn't. And I think I think that's going to go a long way um, as far as, and by the way, I should say they have real home court advantage this time. Last year in the bubble, it was a little funky. And so I think that's helping as far as, you know, those first two games in against Miami pulling out game one. But I'm excited just kind of see where Giannis can take this. Uh, and I think, you know, the Drew Holiday thing is just such a, a big swing for a few different reasons. But just, just just to see their odds are like minus 1600 to win this series versus some of the other teams. Granted that the underdog is leading to nothing or even in other the the two zero series that no one is just this this substantial as a favorite who isn't one of the big teams. It just it's kind of odd to me. So just looking at the futures right now, the Bucks are now plus 260 to win the East. The Sixers are three to one are. Have we gotten to the point where the Sixers have become undervalued or do people just not believe? Hmm. Do you have any thoughts on the Sixers in general, Corn? I I just I don't see it. I don't I don't have anything. I mean No, I, I'm just waiting for Nets Lakers. You see, you think it's that simple? Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's that simple. I, I like the Sixers. I always have. I liked them even last year when it, you know, blew up in my face. I what they can do with Embiid and Simmons is extremely unique. But the question then is always, you know, if you throw a double team at Embiid, do they have enough shooting? Well, they brought in Seth Curry. Tobias Harris has been playing better. They brought in Danny Green. Like they have, I think, another level of these role three and D guys that can get them to a certain point. Um, it's tough, man. I think I'll tell you my personal projections before the playoffs started. I had the Nets a very slight favorite over Philadelphia. Not not very extreme. Now, again, Philly, Philly would have home court if they were to meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then I had the Bucks third behind behind Philadelphia. So uh, I, I'm I'm not like super down on Philadelphia or anything. I think they'll take care of Washington. And, you know, they have a nice setup where they don't have to play the Bucks or the Nets both because they're going to meet second round. Um, but can they beat the Nets when it's all said and done? And, you know, some find a way to defend the three of the best scorers we've ever seen. It just, it's probably too tough in the end. Brooklyn's just so pure. And you saw it last night right from the get-go, even against a really bad Boston team. But, you take away Harden or you take away Kyrie or you take away KD and Joe Harris is one of the best shooters we've ever seen just stands there and gets wide open threes in the corner and makes them at a 50% clip or even higher. And um, it's just too much. You can't defend it. Uh, just looking at So if you parlay the nets together with the Lakers to win the East and win, to win the West, it's paying up plus four Oh seven right now. That's not awful, but like, is just mm. the Lakers at plus plus one sixty the bet here or do you worry? For the West, they're yeah. only 160. Yeah, plus 160 uh, to win the West. I'm, I'm fairly certain that if I could bet the field at like minus 180, I would like the field at minus 180. I, and that's if if that was like a healthy LeBron. And I just, I look, there was a play, the Suns cut it last night to, actually they took a one or two point lead at one point, mid fourth quarter. And there was a play, LeBron was down on the bottom left baseline 
backed up against Cam Johnson, and he did one of those things where he turns it out and he backs up so that he can take Cam Johnson one-on-one in isolation. This is Cam Johnson, like older guy who played a bunch of years in college, got drafted last year, second year in league, and he tried to beat Cam Johnson off the dribble and couldn't and had to revert back to posting him up, and it turned into a missed jump shot once a double came. And uh, it actually might have been a shot clock violation after a few after he passed it out and Mark Gussell swung it and it was too late. He could like, if you can't take Cam Johnson off the dribble in like high leverage middle of the fourth quarter, you have to win this game to maybe save the series. I think there's I think he's maybe 75, 80 percent. And if that's the case, I think they're extremely vulnerable. So I'm not feeling great about the Lakers. Again, the question earlier on, I know you asked more worried about the Lakers or the Clippers. The Clippers is just like another level. <laughs> and I think it's more interesting. But as a Lakers fan, I'm genuinely worried a little bit about where LeBron's at. And maybe it just takes him a few more games to get to that point. But the Cam Johnson thing, I think, was like a revelation to me, even though it's like such a small thing in one play. It's It was it was like, all right, LeBron's going to take over. We need a bucket now. And he couldn't get it. And it ended up being a shot clock violation. And it's Cam Johnson. I mean, no offense to the Johnson family. My last name is Johnson. But <laughs> – like he's got to get a bucket there, and he just couldn't even get by him. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a little, you know, worried. Well, if we're mapping out the West, then if you are worried about the Lakers, I guess the the fall could come against anyone at that point. If LeBron isn't up to where he needs to be health wise, that would probably pit them against the Blazers in round two. And the Blazers right now are 14 to one to win the West with the Lakers at plus 160. I mean, that series price it was going to be very heavily skewed for the Lakers, although Portland would have home court in it that if LeBron's not up to the task and Dame and CJ McCollum stay hot like what's the guard defense going to look like from the Lakers against Portland Uh, I mean obviously it's a huge big man advantage for them but if you're dealing with a substandard LeBron a non-healthy LeBron couldn't the Blazers beat the Lakers in that series it's certainly possible I think the Lakers definitely match up uh more generous what's the word generously on the guard play with Alex Caruso and KCP and even Dennis Schroeder those are guards that are all better defenders than Marcus Howard and you know Compazzo and Austin Rivers so just kind of comparing the guard play from Denver's two to three guard rotation versus what the Lakers could bring to the table there uh, I think defensively the Lakers would be in a much better position but the problem is again is the Lakers are they're struggling to score they can't hit threes either I know they're only shooting uh, I saw a number in the 21% range on open threes so far through two games. And, you know, you expect some positive regression there. But if you don't see it, then, um, yeah, Portland will be able to outscore them if they're not able to hit open shots and LeBron's not 100%. But I do think in general, it's actually now that you're kind of we're talking it through, it's one where I'm, I'm very intrigued, especially after these huge totals two games through Denver and Portland as far as scoring. It's been it's been massive. Uh, we might see a good series if it was Lakers Blazers to look and betting unders in game one, game two, right before the market kind of adjusts. I, I think the the Lakers are just way better suited to defend what Portland does. And again, the Lakers seemingly have some issues offensively. So that's what I would probably look to do in that series rather than betting a winner is play kind of game to game. And from a totals perspective, I think they'll probably be too high in the market early. All right. Quan, Preston. Thanks for stopping by. I'm excited to check out the new show. So tell everyone once again where they can find it when you think that you're going to be streaming and how they can actually call into this. Yeah, so uh, we have a phone number, actually. I don't know if Quan remembers it off the top of his head. He can look it up in the meantime <laughs> if, if we don't have it. But we are going to have a phone number for call-ins next week. This is, uh, you know, Bets TV is a new company in, in production and media. 
um, that we're, we're throwing out here, but the first show, Last Word Cheetah, is what we're doing here down in Southern California. And you can check us out. Uh, we'll have a YouTube channel for Bets TV. We'll have a Twitch stream channel. We'll be putting stuff on Twitter all the time. We're going to do some evergreen videos. Um, and I'll say this. We haven't actually announced this publicly yet, really, anywhere. A little teaser tweet the other day. But outside of just taking people's calls, which I think the, the phone number will be 6 Six six one five one five bets. I believe it's it's six six one five one five bets. Quan will confirm, but I just it came to me. But we're doing a cool new segment called "Who Wants to Be a Betting Extraordinaire." It kind of is what it sounds like. It's it's a game show ish contest that we're gonna run. Where yeah, you can call in and we can talk over games throughout our hour daily at four Eastern, one Pacific. But at the end of each hour, we're actually gonna do uh, a "Who Wants to Be a Betting Extraordinaire" where. Um, over the course of seven days, people can call in and have a chance to make a run at $25,000 cash. So you call in the first day, you try to pick a game for that night. If you're correct, we bring you back on as the caller and the contestant for day two. At day three, you make 250 bucks. If you can get through to day five, you get $2,500. If you can do seven straight, a whole week straight, picking winners, you get 25K cash. And so we're making kind of a, a game show out of one of our segments that I think will be really fun. It'll be really evergreen and people will be able to follow along. And either root against the person if they don't like the caller or root with them. You know, it'll be fun just kind of for sweats every night because there's someone out there trying to be the next betting extraordinaire. And uh, we're bringing that to you. So we're we're excited to, to do that and, you know, have the opportunity to, to give some cash away, too. So that on. number is 661-515-BETS. All right. We got it. Thanks, Pat. It's, it's going to be tough. Now, now that I don't use a rotary phone anymore, I always forget like what the letters are <laughs> with the numbers. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. I think it's two three seven eight, something like that. Two three seven eight. I'm gonna call one and win this money. I need the money big time. So <laughs> for sure. But we but, expect it. Yeah. But but the issue is like I, I don't have the money because I'm no good at betting. So there's probably no chance of me picking winners. Because <laughs> I was picking winners, I wouldn't need the money to begin with. So it's just That's tough. A good point. It's tough yeah. for me out here. So I'll stick <laughs> to the losing picks. You guys, you guys stick to the winning picks. I'll tune in. I'll call bets.tv starting next Wednesday. Go check out Preston. Go check out Quan. It's going to be fun, and you can become a part of the show, too, with that hyper-interactivity. So I'm looking really forward to it. Congratulations. Uh, again, I think it's going to be Thank a you. tremendous success. I think it's going to be a tremendous success. The problem is, like I said, I'm wrong about all this stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to bet against you now. Yeah, we got to find a way to incorporate that into everyone can profit off of it. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to figure out a way to bet, like the don't pass line on this. I, I'm not entirely <laughs> yes. sure. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, remember, once again, everyone out there to smash the like button for the video in the description of or the comment section of this video. Please leave your favorite over or under as it pertains to the NFL season. We're going to have a ton of football coming for you for the next three weeks. We're going to get our fantasy rankings out, early look at the win totals, team by team, division by division, and really breaking everything down. So subscribe to Mayo Media Network to make sure that you get in on that. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next time. Family experience! Experience!